Welcome to Once Upon a Disney, an analytical yet fun-loving look at Disney narrative filmography from the 20th century. I'm Andy Redwine, and with me as always is my co-host, who is equally comfortable in the Kennel Club set, or footloose and collar-free, Larry Brenner. How are you, Larry? I'm doing great, Andy. How are you doing? I'm great. So I know everybody, well, some people might be really disappointed that we're not uh, doing the absent-minded professor. And for that, I wish to apologize. Um, we had a little bit of a scheduling conflict and it's okay. We'll pick it up next season. You'll yep. get it. <laughs> we'll get there. We, uh, we, we will do the movie. But today we are yeah. doing 1955's Lady and the Tramp. We sure are. I'm so excited about this movie. That's one of, I my, am too. one of my favorites. In order to enjoy this, though, I want to get like the little bit of unpleasantness out of the way right off the gate. Yep. Uh, so, Cy and Am, the two Siamese cats, it they are the worst form of racist caricatures, and it is completely unnecessary to the making of the movie that they be racist caricatures. Disney knows this. If you watch the movie on Disney Plus, they have that little blurb saying some of the things that you see here may not be appropriate for a modern audience. Uh, they are as inappropriate as as we can get. If you're offended by it, we're right there with you. There's plenty of other caricatures to go around in this movie. Oh, for sure. And there are a wide variety of opinions as to whether they're okay or whether they're not okay. Uh, there are a number of dogs... Uh, who are from various different groups in the pound, uh, many of whom we could say are caricatures. Uh, some people are offended by Tony and Joe. Not If you're offended by it, we're with you. Uh, we understand it. We're not going to be talking about that unless it really impacts the storytelling. Right, but right. If, if, we're, if you're saying that's something that impacts your enjoyment of the movie... We, we get it. We get it. We're there. Uh, and... That's really all I want to say about that, Andy. How are you? I yeah, I think that's great. Um, I think that's I think acknowledging this is really important. And as you said, Disney has done that um, in their little blurb before each of these films. That and and I'm really glad that they're not whitewashing these films or acting sure. like it didn't exist or recutting it or whatever. But they're just really uh, showing it what, at what was and and what the culture was like. And and hopefully we all do better going yeah. forward. It's important to have a record. Uh, but that's not what we're about. What we are about, Andy, is yes. the key facts ah, of Lady the, and the Tramp. I do have some key facts. So I know set, you do. <laughs> so to set the stage, in 1937, uh, animator Joe Grant presents Walt Disney with some sketches that he had created featuring his Springer Spaniel Lady. And Walt encouraged Joe to use those sketches as a starting point to create a full storyboard. Now, Joe's lady was also dealing with a new baby in the house. Um, and the score storyline was okay, but it was scrapped uh, until Walt read a short story in Cosmo magazine called Happy Dan the Whistling Dog by writer Ward Green about a dog from the other side of the tracks. And then Tramp was added to Lady's story. Uh, Green was hired to write a novel about Lady and the Tramp prior to the film's release. And a first edition of that, if you're looking for it, will set you back between $3,000 and $14,000 today, depending upon its condition. Wow. Um, it's kind of hard to find. Uh, unfortunately, the story had to be shelved during the war years. But Roy Disney, Roy, Walt's brother, encouraged him to start work on the movie again in 1952. So Lady and the Tramp was developed concurrently with Sleeping Beauty. And the animators would work six months on one project and six months on the other. Lady and the Tramp was starting to get stale. And so Walt brought in Sleeping Beauty. And he noticed that when we brought the animators, he, I say we, he brought the animators back uh, to do the work for Lady and the Tramp. They had more juice and things were exciting. So they did six months on and six months off. They kind of did them intermittently, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. So the movie's opening sequence is inspired by an incident in the Disney family where Walt gave his wife Lily a chow puppy as a gift in a hat box in order to make up for having forgotten a dinner date with her. Wow. <laughs> wow. My <laughs> apologies are not as good. <laughs> I'm not up to Walt's level. <laughs> also, if you look carefully at 101 Dalmatians at the Twilight Bark, 
you'll notice Lady and the Tramp making a cameo, as do Jock and Peg. So apparently all four dogs moved to London at some point. <laughs> sure. Why not? <laughs> okay. Uh- and, yeah. Okay. So the spaghetti scene very nearly didn't happen either. Walt wanted the dogs to display human emotion and, and kept saying, you know, I want them to be as human as possible. But he also said that fine dining might be stretching it. However, animator Frank Thomas saved the day and worked up a rough version of the alley dining outside of Tony's and the rest is history. Can you imagine Lady and the Tramp without that iconic scene? I can I mean, when I think of Lady and the Tramp, that's what I think of is the scene in the alley with the spaghetti. There's nothing more Lady and the Tramp than that. Yeah, if you want to recreate that, you can at Tony's uh, on the square in... Uh, Walt Disney World, but I digress. <laughs> they have the extra long spaghetti so that you they can do. do it. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so to animate Lady and the Tramp, real dogs were brought in as models. There was a spaniel named Blondie who belonged to Hamilton Lansky and another dog whose human was Verna Felton, who plays Aunt Sarah in the film. But as for Tramp... One of the studios, right, they kept looking for who's the right tramp, who's the right tramp. And one of the studio's writers spotted a mutt on the street and tried to lure the dog, but she slipped away. That's right. The real tramp was a she. <laughs> so the chase was on and the and the writer eventually found the dog at the city pound, very nearly to take the long, long walk herself. But Walt Disney himself adopted the dog. They used the dog to model for Lady and the Tramp. And then they let her live in a private area behind Disneyland for the rest of her life. So pretty, pretty great little story there. That is fantastic. That's a a movie right there. Yes. No, I agree. Yeah. So one more thing. Um, So as a result of all of this great work, Lady and the Tramp had a $4 million budget. But it earned $183 million at the box office. And it totally cements the Disney television series as the vehicle, uh, the, the marketing vehicle for the Disney company. So to promote the movie, Peggy Lee, who plays Darling and a couple other voices, she comes on the Disneyland TV show to perform some of the songs she co-wrote uh, from the movie. And she's also the reason why Trusty lives. She was crying in the studio one day. And when Walt asked her why, she said the scene was just too sad with Trusty under the under the car. So Trusty hobbles into the scene on Christmas Day because Peggy Lee saved him. We we need to talk about all of that with Trusty. I have I have so much to say about both of those moments. Yes. That's all I got. Okay. Well then let's dig in here. And I want to say something before we dig in with the Manish Tana. Is that this movie is like I'm trying to put a traditional structure onto it, and and it is very clear with this movie that very little thought was given to structure in the way in which I'm I'm approaching it. So right, the right. thought of like what is the inciting incident? Why are we starting where we start? Where's the climax? I I don't think anybody asked those questions, and there's a part of me that thinks, hey. Maybe it's not even fair to apply these questions to this movie, except we have to. We have to look at it from the perspective of how would we be writing this movie today? Why why did they and should should we abandon the traditional structure that you and I have talked about in so many of these movies? So this movie begins with the scene that you described earlier. It's Christmas. Uh, we're doing this mo- movie for Valentine's Day, and and two seconds in, I go, oh, it's a Christmas movie. <laughs> Fine. The present that uh, Jim Deere gives to Darling is Little Puppy Lady. And that's where we begin. And the obvious answer to the Manish Tana, why are we starting where we start, is we could argue this is the moment where Lady joins her family and the movie is going to start here because it has to start here. Andy, yes, does it have <laughs> to start here? It does not. Um, you know, Lady's origin story of how she got to be with Jim Deere and Darling, which is charming, right? I'm Jim's awfully optimistic on how a puppy's going to train itself, right? And how she's spoiled rotten. It's really a lot of exposition. Um, and and really, um, 
the beginning to me, especially with Lady like going through the swinging door and then she gets hit with the swinging door, um, it feels a lot like a Tom and Jerry cartoon mm-hmm. um, in the tone and the content to me. Um, how you know, a lot of things are set up. I mean, so on, on the pro side of this, like a lot of things are set up in all of this. That puppies howl when they sad are are sad, right? And that dogs in the pound howl when they're sad. There's newspaper on the floor that becomes the newspaper they aren't reading. Um, the headlines are now on the, you know, posted on the, on the words can be terrible. And now they're posted on the, on the fence. Uh, Jim opens the door for a lady and then he slams it in her face later. Um, license is a badge of faith and respectability, which then becomes a badge of faith and respectability for Tramp, right? Um, Tony's is set up. I mean, so, but really, Larry, until we get to about, man, I don't know. No, I want to, I want to do this when we get inciting incident. Yeah. Yeah. I, because... I mean, really that we just go on and on and on and on and on and on. And I think it takes away from the exposition later. I mean, all, all that exposition takes away from the inciting incident later on. Yes, and I, I'm going to say this movie keeps thinking it's having inciting incidents, but it doesn't. They're right. fake inciting incidents. So I, I actually want to compare this a little bit to 101 Dalmatians. Uh, mm-hmm. And 101 Dalmatians is going to come off favorably in this, even though I think that movie starts too early as well. The, I, the, the question of how did this couple get a dog is not a question that has an interesting answer, mm-hmm. right? We don't need to see in 101 Dalmatians how Pongo got adopted and found his master. That's not where the story is. Right. And it, in this movie, where, where like, why did Lady get adopted by a dog? The, the, by, a, by a dog owner? They went to a store and they bought a dog and they adopted her. It's not a story. It's an important moment in their lives, but right. they've had a lot of important moments in their lives. We could have started with Jim Deere and Darling getting married. We could have started with Lady being born. We could start with a lot of things, but as storytellers, we need to start at a point where the story will get going shortly afterwards. Now, we could argue in another movie that if Lady in some way, the, the key relationship of this movie was between Lady and her masters. Mm-hmm. That it's important to see that relationship get started. Right. But it's not the core relationship of this no, movie. No, it's not. And and so I always ask myself, like, who is, like, sometimes I'll be writing, and I'm, I'm sure you've had this experience, Larry, you'll be writing something and you're just kind of scratching things out. And then you have to ask yourself at some point, whose movie does this belong to? Whose movie is this? And it's not the story of this couple no. that have adopted a dog. It is a story about no. two dogs. No, because they're not making any major decisions. Jim's not making it other than coming home from work and having a baby and going on vacation. <laughs> Jim doesn't make any major decisions. Darling doesn't make any major decisions other than to choose not to walk the dog. Right. Um, and and But that's it. That's the, It's not about them. It's right. about Lady and who she is. So, again and again in this movie, it seems like the movie is about to have an inciting incident that's going to start off our movie, and then it doesn't. Right. And when um, Darling gets pregnant, that appears to be, oh, things are going to change for Lady. But it doesn't. I mean, like, she's seeing a change, but it's not a change that's propelling our story. Right. When the baby gets born, we think, oh, that must be where everything changes. But again, it's not. When I would have bet money that the inciting incident of this movie would be when Lady met Tramp, right? The right, movie's right. called Lady and the Tramp. I right. don't think Vegas is going to give me amazing odds on this bet. Seems like a sure thing. Sure. But in fact, that is also not the inciting incident. They have a conversation. He leaves and they forget about each other more or less. 
Right. Right. So I, I mean, yeah, I, I think, and, and then there's that whole part between about, uh, right at the end of like about twenty four fifty two to about thirty one minutes, it drags. The energy changes. It's completely dull. The movie is now not about Lady at all. It's about how Jim and Darling feel about the baby, and Lady's just sort of a spectator to all of that, right. just sort of watching it. And and this isn't about the baby at all. Um, no. And I think, I think they again. I I completely agree with you. I think they want the inciting incident to be when Lady learns there's a baby, or when we meet Tramp at minute fifteen, right? But I think the real inciting incident here is when Aunt Sarah puts a muzzle on Lady. I That's think it. Aunt Sarah. And that is that is the middle of the movie. Yes, that is exactly my point. The inciting incident is when Aunt Sarah takes over the household. Things really change for Lady. Her her situation is different than it's ever been, and it propels her to action. And that's that's why it's the true inciting incident. It's the inciting point part. Uh, part of inciting incident. The inciting incident propels your protagonist to action. And Lady is not propelled to action up until that point when Sarah and Sarah tries to muzzle Lady, Lady runs away, which brings her into what should be her first meeting with the tramp, but it's not her first meeting with the tramp. But it's their first real connection between the two of them. And from that point on, we're on a ride towards our movie. Right. Well, and I think they want Tramp to be some sort of deuteragonist, right? I think yeah. that's what they want, which is why they introduce him when they do. But it doesn't quite work. Like, it just doesn't work. I mean, we get him back together again when, you know, he's got some things to say about, I mean, he, oh, what's a baby? Well, here comes Tramp, right? Um, yeah. To to be, to, you know, antagonize her a bit. So, yeah, the, I, I, the notes I made were like, so I okay, I love watching this movie. I think sure. it's entertaining. I think it's adorable and charming. But it reads like a cartoon. It reads like a gags it, until about the midpoint. Until about, you know, well, maybe the minute thirty, well, when like you said, when she gets muzzled, when we said she gets muzzled. But there's this moment, like I think you can condense all of that. I think some of those parts are necessary in there, and I think they're interesting, but like going on and on and letting Letting uh, jo- uh, Jock and Trusty go on and on. We don't need to see Jock bury the bones. I mean, it's kind of cute, but again, it feels like a gag. It, I, so, so for me, it almost makes me wonder if this movie is heavily influenced by Bambi, right? Bambi shows <laughs> <have> that here. <laughs> do you? We're, yes. We think too much alike. This is a problem we do. now. We do. <laughs> but Bambi, you know, Bambi works, even though it doesn't follow a traditional structure. It shows us a life cycle. Bambi's story is the story of dear kind. As a young prince, we have him go through adolescence. We have him assuming his leadership position as an adult. Uh we're watching it almost like it's a nature documentary where we're watching nature. And from that perspective, Bambi works so well here. It doesn't work in a story like this, which isn't trying to say something about the world, but about a couple of very specific people within that world. The the experience of Lady and the Tramp is not a universal experience that we all go through the way that Mm -hmm. Bambi's is. Bambi's, we all start off as babies, you know, and and we progress and we grow and we change. That's universal. You can have healthy relationships without having to, like, find the tramp on the street. You know, we're not all that person. And I I think what my takeaway here is... The structure doesn't work for the story that we're telling. It's not that this structure can't work, but and I think you're I think you're right, Larry. And I think they're trying it with like the so like you know Bambi's divided up in seasons, and they're using the calendar and the flipping of the calendar as a way to say, oh, time's passing, and here's this part of our life, and here's this part of our life. But the problem is, this isn't about the baby. This is about this isn't about her relationship to the baby or to Darling and Jim Deere. This is about when Aunt Sarah comes to visit and doesn't like her. Right. And and puts a muzzle on her and treats her like she's 
a dog instead of a human, which is what she's been treated like. Like a bad know. dog instead of a much loved dog. It's not yeah. just that she's treated like a dog. She's treated like yeah. she's a bad dog. A bad dog, an evil dog versus a human. I mean, Lady thinks she's kind of human. <laughs> sure, she sleeps on a human bed. She's got her humans trained wonderfully. She eats peppermints, right? I mean, she's doing All right, great. so having keyed into the inciting incident, let's talk a little bit about rising action. Uh, what happens between now and the climax, if, Andy, we can find a climax? Because I'm going to argue there's more than one climax here, and I don't know if the movie knows which one it really is. But I will say, you know, lady running away with the muzzle on, running into Tramp, going to the zoo, the transaction between um, Tramp and Lady and Beaver, where Beaver gets the muzzle off of her. Uh, all of that is rising action. They go out on a date. Uh, they, they, they're wined and dined. Uh, that's rising action. Lady gets captured and by the dog catcher and sent to the pound. Still rising action. She learns things about Tramp while in the pound. That's probably the most important thing story-wise is she learns that, you know, she's not the first, she's not the first female dog that Tramp's been sniffing around, right? He's got a past. He's got a past. He may have children. (laughs) Could be. Could be. And so when she is eventually brought back to the house and she's tied up, uh, in the backyard when she's there, uh, you know, that's that's also rising action. What would you say the climax of this movie is, Andy? Where, and normally when we're talking about climax, we're talking about the stakes are at their highest. It's not this movie, but it's some movies, the forces of good and evil contend. There's a couple of con- contestants, contenders here. Well, yeah. So maybe there's two, um, two climaxes. We've talked about that before. Um, One kind of deals with the conflict between Aunt Sarah and Lady. And the other deals with the conflict between Tramp and Lady. So the, the first climax, I think, would be Tramp saves Lady. I mean, Lady saves, Lady and Tramp together save the baby from the rat. Right. Sure. Um, and then the second climax I would say would be when, but it doesn't complete it. Like all of a sudden it stops and we're at Christmas, um, is, is tramp, you know, being rescued from the dog catcher. Cool. So it's, but it's tough because neither of them are completely satisfying. So let's talk about these two climaxes and why neither of them is satisfying. And I will posit Mm -hmm. what the climax of this movie should be. And yet somehow isn't. Right. All right. I, th- I think because it's, again, it, it's because we want Lady to be that protagonist, right? And sure. the protagonist, I want to be the hero. And in both situations, someone else is the hero and not her. So in this first situation, I, I would argue this for me is when the stakes are at their highest. Lady is concerned that the rat will harm the baby. Mm-hmm. She tries to for give her credit if she wasn't tied down, she would run in there and save the day, right? She right. can't, so she calls to Tramp, and Tramp runs into the house and saves the baby and kills the rat. Right. Um, for me, that is probably the tensest moment in the movie, oh, and they've 100%. literally put the life of a baby on the, on the line, and Andy... Right. I wonder if the dogs put the baby in greater danger than the rat does. There is that scene. Did, did you gasp? I yeah, gasped. Yeah, when the, when the bed turns over and the baby's inside Tramp it. goes running up into that room, knocks over the bassinet, and the baby falls. We don't see the baby fall, but the baby's in the bassinet, and the bassinet falls as he's chasing the rat. And... As and the lamp kid. falls, right? And it's a gas lamp or some sort of whatever. So now we've got a fire situation that could be happening. Suddenly right? I'm team Aunt Sarah. You should not have these dogs in the house. I don't know that the rat was going uh, in there specifically to affect. I know Lady thinks the rat is going in there to get the baby. I don't mm-hmm. know that that's the rat's plan. But like 
when when Tramp knocked over the bassinet, I gasped. And I didn't yeah. gasp as a kid. As an adult, I was like, <gasps> you yeah. know? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. like I, I, if, if I'm Aunt Sarah, I'm like, I am absolutely calling the dog catcher. Yeah. That baby yep, was yep, in yep. danger. Yep. Um, but it's a high stakes moment and it feels like a climax. Right. But it's not. Because after that, Tramp is taken away by the dog catcher. And we know that Tramp has been vindicated when they found the dead rat. So we know we know that he wasn't up to no good. He was actually being a hero. What's the problem with the second climax? I know you want to say it. So uh, so much because now all of a sudden the humans have clued into the fact that Tramp is OK. And instead of like Lady talks to them somehow and tells them to get in the car to go get Tramp, right? We're not quite sure how that happens. And then, but with then we have Jock and Trusty, who are really doing the saving. And the movie shifts to Jock and Trusty trying to rescue Tramp. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, they're not the protagonists. This is not their job. This movie is Lady and the Tramp. Tramp just saved Lady. It's time Time for for Lady lady to to save save Tramp. Tramp. And she needs to do it in a way that shows that if she, you know, this whole movie is about like ladies domesticated and Tramp is wild and, you know, which like lady could choose one environment or the other, but she should save Tramp using the things she's learned along the way. Yes. She should be the one opening doors with her teeth. She should be doing she should be conning people like at the park when Tramp gets that one guy in trouble so they can sneak into the zoo. She should show that she is in every way his equal. They are Mm -hmm. partners. She can save him just as he can save her. But instead, it's relegated to two male side characters to go and save Tramp. And that is. Is not what I'm... It's not Lady and the Tramp and their two friends. It's not. Right. They're not. They're not the movie. I mean, it's it's adorable. And I love Jock and Trusty. Like, I love sure. them as characters. I think yes, they're great. as side characters. Uh, yeah. Um. But... And if they were helping her in some way, but, oh, Lady, we, we can't go on. Like, we, he just got hit by a car. I can't leave him. You're going to have to go on and fix this. They, right? need to, they can Yourself. be part of this if they're yes. taking orders from her. Her, yes. Um, and, and, you know, she's proven that she's able to get out of tight places. And all yes. that starts when she's a puppy, right? Yes. She's, she'll do anything for love, including, like, you know, scaling this giant staircase and all of that. She um, can manipulate people by fake crying. She will she's got Tramp in order in that lifestyle in order to watch over this baby, right? Yes. Even when she's being treated badly. Yes. And, so and that's all of makes, those things need to come together to this head, and it just doesn't. And here's the real issue, Andy, is that I don't think either of these things is the climax. I think the climax is supposed to be about Lady and the Tramp as a couple. They've, quote unquote, broken up. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, right. like she's she's kicked him out of kicked him out of the yard. Right. We don't have the scene where they reconcile. We don't have the scene where we actually see like whatever hangups Lady has about Tramp or mm-hmm. or or Tramp has about Lady. We don't we don't have that reckoning that says these two should be together. I mean, I, I you're right, should- Larry. There's this huge jarring cut there, you know, like where all of a sudden you think you're going to get it. And then all of a sudden it's Christmas. And, and, and they're like, married Whoa. and they have kids and, and you're he's like, domesticated. They don't have a conversation about, you know, Tramp, can you give up, you know, your, you know, your wild ways? He just did. Off it's panel. a moment and it's a missed moment. I think it's just such a missed moment where it could, and maybe they didn't want it to be too mushy gushy or too whatever. Maybe they didn't want the, you know, I, I just feel like it's a, I think it's a missed opportunity. And again, maybe things were looked at differently in, in 1950. Uh, where were we? 1955. Yes. Um, they, uh, I mean, they dance around how dogs get pregnant and how people get pregnant. They dance around all of that. Right. 
And so how babies are made. Do, do you um, need me to explain that, Andy? I don't. I don't. Okay, I, I have get the it. pictures here. Okay, no? Okay, good, good, good. good. <laughs> I get it. I get it. But I think here we're much more open. And that was just kind of a hushed, even the way the baby showers, you know, we've got the women over here, the men over here. Yes. And, you know, there, there's this naivete about all of it. Um, you know, I, I think... Um, I think they want to, I think if Trump Trump were to acquiesce and say, you know, I'll come back, maybe I need a real family. And if Lady were to say, I want you in this family, I think that would be too much for 1955. If Jim Deere and Darling had to go and like tell Trump that they were going to like, you know, there's a thing where they're welcoming him into yes. the family in yep. a way or yep. that they see that ladies in love with Trent, like something some but but the whole this is a movie about a relationship it's a movie about a romantic yep. relationship and the climax needs to be about our romantic partners making the decision to take the plunge together right, that's right, it right and yep. This movie, unfortunately, steps on itself in a lot of places. And oh, yeah. The solution to, I'm so sad about Trusty dying that I need to bring him back to life, there's an easier answer than to make us cry about Trusty and then bring Trusty back and he's just fine. The answer is, you don't kill Trusty. Period. Right. You don't right. have this fake out. The movie is not about him. He's taking up the space. Yeah. Lady should get hurt saving Tramp. I agree. Lady gets hurt saving Tramp. And like Tramp is like, you know, standing next to her, trying to protect her. That that's where that's that's where this is. It's about the two of them against the world. Well, and again, it's about giving a, a female character agency, right? And not just a spectator, because a Why lot of times she feels so I know like it's spectator. 1955. I, kn I know this is early 20th century. Why is it so hard to realize it's that the story problems are solved by giving mm -hmm. the female characters agency? It's just, it's not even, it's not even like, hey, this is feminism. It's just a better story. I just think that men and women during that time period are so divorced from each other's, the, the lives of each other. And I think we, again, I think we see it in the, in the baby shower where the men are in one room and the women are in the other. And, and there, you know, there's just no mixing there. There was, there was a lot of mystique about those two worlds. And so maybe the animators who again are all men just don't know enough to say, Oh, you know, Oh, you know what we should do? We should get jock and trusty to save her. Cause they've tried to save her once, right. By trying to marry her. Um, and 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 make a decent, honest woman out of her, right? But now, now they can save Tramp. Oh my her, gosh, right? I feel like doing like a little bit of a sketchy. So we got these two characters, <laughs> the lady and the Tramp. The Tramp is in trouble. Oh, how do we get him out of the trouble? Who could possibly save him? I, I got this character called Lady, but she's a lady. Oh, right, exactly. Oh, I this think, is an I, unsolvable and, problem. I want us to move to falling action so we can get out of structure. Let's do it. And we do have falling action here right after the quote unquote death of trusty. We have the next Christmas. So a year has passed since, I guess, the beginning of the movie. With, mm -hmm. with the, and uh, we see that. Tramp has a collar on, and Lady and the Tramp have puppies, uh, one of which is a mischievous boy who looks like Tramp, and the other are some some young ladies who look like Lady, which is some interesting genetic uh, fallout there. But but <laughs> I would think it would be a mix of both, but fine. But fine. Hmm. Um, and then all walking in the door comes, comes Trusty and Jock, and we see that they're an extended family, and happily ever after. I miss any beats from the falling action there. No, that I don't. I don't think so. I mean, the, the nice moment. I think the the wrap up uh, moment with old reliable with Trusty saying old reliable and the puppies of like, no, you've never mentioned him, <laughs> which I think is really funny because he's been talking about old reliable this whole time, and I love that little bit. I think it's great. I think he can't remember what old reliable was going to say, but that's sweet. Yeah. I, yeah, I think I think it's cute. 
Um, but one could argue, why is this where the movie ends? Because the movie, like, should it end with Lady and the Tramp, you know, at their in their final hours, uh, going to their reward, paw and paw? Uh, no, because what we want is the promise of a new future, of, right. of new stories, new dogs, young dogs. And I would say, this sets up so nicely the story of Tramp uh, and Lady's son, Scamp. And I, I kind of wish it was also setting up some stories about the the girl pups as mm-hmm. well, but they seem interchangeable yeah, uh, a little bit. Agree. But but it does leave you with the hope there'll be more stories. Yes. I, I think we do end on that beat. Yep. I think I think for sure. Let's dig into characters. Sure. So we've got Lady, who's voiced by uh, Barbara Luddy. Um, full disclosure, we had a dog named Lady. She was a sweetheart who showed up at our farm uh, one day to stay for good. And uh, and and one of the kids said, oh, what a perfectly beautiful little lady. <laughs> and I said, oh, you've been watching a Disney movie. <laughs> and she was our girl for, gosh, 13 years. She was a great dog. So Lady has the ingredients of a good protagonist in her. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that, unlike the other Disney princesses we've seen, and I'm calling her a princess, but she's a spoiled princess. She has that clear flaw, which is that she's spoiled. Mm -hmm. She's accustomed to getting her way by manipulating other people. Mm -hmm. And like, that's interesting. She's a more interesting character than, say, Briar Rose slash Aurora from Sleeping Beauty. She's got she's got more going on psychologically than than most of those human princesses do. I mean, she's spoiled, but she's also very brave and very protective of her family, right? And she's right. not passive. Um, when she's a puppy, she makes things happen. And I think that might be why she's attracted to Tramp later on, because she gets more passive as she gets older. Um, sure. The conflict, she has some great conflict with Tramp um, when, like, he wants to chase chickens for fun. Like, she chases pigeons, right? But she yeah, doesn't so what's chase the difference? chickens for I was surprised that that was, that was something she resisted. She does that. Yeah, but like they're kind of, but their chickens are doing their chicken things. Pigeons shouldn't be in our yard, right? And so there's kind of this, there are kind of rules for that. And so she she understands those kind of nuances. Um, I mean, she has some standards, right? And she And she really has some standards when she realizes that she's not special to Tramp. Like she's not his only one, right? Right. And that's that's interesting. Um, I wonder, you, you, ju- you just made me free associate two things, which is the mm-hmm. fact that Tramp calls her a pigeon. Mm-hmm. She calls yes. it. He calls her pidge throughout. Yep. And I wasn't quite sure what that means. Are we supposed to sort of see some sort of connection between how Lady Chase chases the pigeons and Tramp pursues Lady a little yeah. bit? That it's I that it's so. all harmless sport. Right. Fun, but not serious. There's no real teeth to it. Right. And there really isn't teeth to this relationship. Um, You know, he doesn't seem all that serious about her until she says to him, I don't care if the Cossacks do pick you up. Yeah. (laughs) Right. This was my question for you. (laughs) Yeah. Because I don't know the answer. Yeah. At what point does Tramp fall in love with Lady? It isn't when they're whining and dining outside the Italian no, food place. No, nope. Although I think of that as the moment because there's nothing like, like, look, you know, sometimes male dogs feel romantic, but that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that they're in love and it doesn't mean right. it's a real relationship. And, and for me, I was trying to say like, well, at what point is Tramp in love with Lady? What makes him fall in love with her? I think when he realizes he can lose her. And is she the first one who he's ever been able to 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 who's ever been able to resist him? Has yep. he always left before and she's the first one to reject him? Uh-huh. That's what I think. I and I, well, and I, I, I think it's this. Um, well, we can talk about Tramp, too, if you want. But I think we have um, to talk about them together. It's too. Yeah. Hard. Yeah. Like interesting interplays are with each other. Yeah. I mean, when he lets her like have the last, last meatball. Right. Um you feel like that's kind of his signature move. He's yes. slick. He's slick. He's got all the right moves. He knows where the 
he knows where the you know the people go to park their cars and he, he and the, this is where we're going to end up and he knows how to wake up in the morning and hear the sunrise and look over this and whatever like he knows all about that so he's just got he's got a line um but there's a moment where she says to him uh you know he says something like you know when you're footloose and collar free you take you take nothing but the best there's no giving he's taking and i want and, and lady says to him, well, who'd watch over the baby? And I think that tears it for him. Because that, like, who watches over the baby? Like, in his mind, she's kind of the baby. And who's going to watch over her? And then he and then he fails her, right? I would love a button on the whole yes. Pidge thing. That yes. at a certain point in the movie, he stops calling her Pidge and starts calling her lady. I would love that It doesn't that too. happen in this movie, but it <laughs> no. would really help me pinpoint that their relationship has changed or his perspective on the relationship has changed. I In the early scenes, I'm constantly thinking he's an older dog taking out a younger dog, right. a, a younger innocent dog. And I, I want that to change to their equals. And the Pidge nickname diminishes her. She's a lady. Yeah. I mean, he can't bring herself to call her bring himself to call her lady right i mean yes. he he has to constantly dig at her surroundings and he, and you know tramp does a whole lot of projection um you know we see tramp kind of late in the movie he's laid back he's more like a child um he's got lots of girlfriends and street smarts he loves puppies but he says um he talks about babies being like a cute little bundle of trouble and that they're home wreckers. And I think that's his tell because he, he, he was, it, he was abandoned. I think he was, he's had his home wrecked. And so when he needed someone, no one was there. And so he lives in complete chaos now and probably not completely by choice. And that would be another great moment in this movie would be mm -hmm. Tramp telling his story and maybe Lady's the first person he's ever told his story to. Right, right. So he projects this kind of envy and, oh, I guess he, uh, they keep all the lids on the trash cans. Oh, I guess all the fences have, you know, all the trees have fences. He knows too much about this world. He knows way too much about this world to have never set foot in it. Yeah. I could go and with so, that. But yeah, but I think that's, that's, and that might be a reach on my part, but it really does feel like this, he's projecting all of this. So when she says, who'd watch over the baby, he's like, you win. You yeah, win. And, and, and I don't think it's a reach at all, Andy. I think you're filling in details that make the story richer, right? Right. I, 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 I think it's a better story your way. The, there's no question in my mind it's a better story your way. So so a little a little more into so there's the song, which is what everybody knows about the tramp, but there should be the bit of the tramp that only Lady gets to see. And this is it. Lady's the one who can see past this calm, uh, smooth person to see the wounded puppy that's inside. Right. Because he can only trust her with that. That that's that's lifetime original uh movie stuff 101 right there <laughs> but maybe maybe he runs up to save that baby not so much for lady but maybe he wants to save that baby because he should have saved the first one right oh i hope he didn't not save the first one but i i i think he wasn't believed in the same way he wasn't believed right this time because he's a mongrel, right? He's a he's a mutt. He's a he's low class. I will say this for Tramp. Lady has broken up with him. He mm -hmm. is under no obligation to do this for her. I don't think he does it for her. I think he no. does it because it's a baby and dogs protect babies. Right. I, so, I think it is his nobility. I don't think he's playing. I don't think he's like, this will get me back in good with Lady. If the stakes are life and death for a baby, Tramp's going to step up and put his own life on the line. Which is all the more reason she needs to be the one who saves him from yes. the, you know, it's all the more reason and all the more setup. And it's what you expect. Yes. You know, she comes along in the car, but that's not quite it, right? That's not enough. It's not we're enough. We're stuck on Trusty being dead. 
I mean, Should we talk the, about Jock yeah. and Trusty? Let's talk about Jock and Trusty. They are pampered old men, right? <laughs> they do feel like the two confirmed bachelors. I got a very My Fair Lady feeling from them. Yes, yes, yes. Which yes. may be intentional now that I think about it. She is lady. So, uh, you know, maybe, maybe there is something yeah. of that uh, in, in like the planning and plotting of this. Why uh, Why is Jock n- and Trusty, why are they not appropriate suitors for Lady? Why is Tramp... They old. They <laughs> but Tramp is also older than Lady. Mm, maybe not as old. Maybe not as old. Certainly, yeah. certain, I'm, I'm with you. Um, but... They're honorably offering it to her as a proposal. It's not about love. It's about... Um, that's the it's, thing. It's about honor and respect, helping her keep her respectability. It's a sacrifice. They're offering right. it as a sacrifice. Although Jock does say, you know, whichever one of us she chooses, the other one's not going to be met. They do recognize. Right. They do right. recognize that she is a prize. Right. Uh, but they're offering this because she's been shamed. And this is a way to restore her name and her honor. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to doing it because they were actually actively pursuing her the whole time. Right, right. Uh, I have such issues with the idea that we are supposed to be invested in the life and death of Trusty. In this movie. Bring it. So, you know, hey, we're at Christmas, and Christmas is a time where we think about resurrections, right? So so, uh, Trusty coming back in certainly takes the sting off of the fact that he passed. Mm-hmm. Trusty is an older dog. His sense of smell has been fading, and we've gotten the sense from Jock. Jock has said to Lady, look, we can never tell him that he's in a decline, but we know he's in a decline. And I think, you know, number one, I wouldn't raise the issue. I, I said this earlier. I wouldn't raise the issue of killing Trusty in the first place as, as a moment of pathos or or something Mm -hmm. along those lines but if you're gonna do it it is the noblest of dog deaths right Mm -hmm. like like what if you're going here's here's i guess my real point if you're going to make me feel sad that trusty is dead and you really want me to feel that grief it is a cheat to bring him back in the next scene and he's fine he just broke a couple of bones it's a cheat right. because you made me experience something worse than I needed to experience. I'm a, I'm a little mad that you made me contemplate mortality in this moment. Mm-hmm. The dog wasn't dead. He yeah. was injured. But but why, why put me through that? And why make that? Though? It just overshadows everything in this movie. And yeah. These characters, Jock and Trusty, aren't more important than the two birds in The Fox and the Hound, really. Uh, what were their names? No. Boomer and uh, Dinky or, right, or something right, right. like that? Yeah. You know, they're side, they're side characters. They have not been, they're not even side characters that have been on the journey all along, right? They're just there when you're home. And you just, they're They're there to provide color they're confident characters they're not they're not characters you should be trying to put at the center of the action yeah they do the job of the protagonist at the end which i think is something that unforgivable i I think we both we both struggle with yeah yeah i mean i like them as side characters i think they provide an interesting balance sure the the dogs at the dog pound um and they start you know their their existence and the way they act uh, in sort of that chivalrous way, asks a lot of questions about like, well, what is what is this all about? I mean, there's it's it certainly raises issues of class and, um, you know, this is definitely a class of structure where there's the other side of the tracks and then there's the the houses where Jock and Trusty might live. Um, but I think if you're going to have those two things meet, they could have met in a really um, in a more interesting way. All right, I want to bait Andy a little bit here. Oh, boy. Now, now, viewer, listener, you may know that Andy is the dog lover of the two of us. I do love dogs. Uh, maybe, the, maybe the dog lover of all of us uh, is Andy. Uh, so, Andy, how yes. do you feel about Aunt Sarah? 
I don't like Aunt Sarah at all. And I love Verna Felton, right? She's the fairy godmother in Cinderella and the Queen of Hearts and in Alice in Wonderland. But I really do not like her in this movie. Um, but Andy, I really why? hate her cats. Well, well, I hate her cats, too. She... I, I think it, she's one of those people that's like really judgmental, like without knowing the whole story. So she goes in assuming that the dogs are terrible, that the dog is terrible from the get go. Right. Mm-hmm. And she's exactly the kind of person. I mean, she's a maiden spinster who hates dogs and she's exactly the kind of person you do not want taking care of yours. Right. I am going to argue Okay. Just to fight with you a little bit. Oh, good. Let's fight. And Sarah is not the antagonist of the... She may be the antagonist of this movie. She mm-hmm. is not the villain of this movie. Um, I'm going to say, Aunt Sarah, do you know how much you... When you're a young couple and you've had that baby, you pray for an Aunt Sarah to come and take care of your baby. She is their fairy godmother. She's the fairy godmother for Jim Deere and Darling. She comes in. She she immediately loves the baby. She cares about... She doesn't do wrong by... She does bad by lady. She does bad by, by lady. But the evidence that she's presented... Lady has been framed... Aunt Sarah hasn't framed her. She sees the dog. She sees the dog with the broken fishbowl. The bird is out of its cage. The dog has clearly been implicated. Her cats are are meowing and and, and pretending to be injured. It is. Uh, she knows what about do you do cats. if you're not a dog person and you've got a dog that you think is wrecking the house? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I I want you to say that you love Aunt Sarah, Andy. Love I, her. I don't. Okay, can we go back for just like two steps though with Jim Deere and Darling? Yeah. When they say things like, I feel so guilty about deserting deserting him like this. And I'm like, you're leaving the baby and Aunt Sarah isn't here yet. I mean, no, did you notice that? They no. leave the baby upstairs and they're like, oh. Here she is now, or whatever. I'm like, you were planning to leave before Aunt Sarah arrived, you monster. Well, they were leaving leaving her with Lady. Well, okay. I don't really See, they, believe that's an appropriate answer. I, well, I mean, in, in Disney World, I mean, in Disney's world, right, it is an appropriate thing to leave your dog, your baby with a dog. They should eventually go on a weekend yeah. vacation together. Okay. I, I, I don't want to judge... I think it's a little much. early. I think it's a little early. It feels a little early. I'm not convinced that they can't take baby with them uh-huh. um, wherever they're going. It, I, I'm with you. Uh, but that's that's not Aunt Sarah's fault. That's Jim Deere and Darling being terrible they're mon- at what they're they, monsters. They're, they're 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 not good at this. No, they're and it's not even right ladies. for them. It's not even right. They ask Aunt Sarah to watch the baby, and they must know that Aunt Sarah doesn't like dogs, and they make no arrangement to make this easier for her to give the dog someplace else. Oh, they're as selfish as anything. I'm making an Aunt Sarah was right t-shirt, and it's got like a picture of Jim Deere and (laughs) Darling with like a circle with a line through it saying no, and then it says, muzzle your dogs underneath it. You're terrible. You're making me laugh. Okay. Well, that's where I was going for. Yeah, I, I okay. <laughs> so, all right. Boris, Bull, Peg, Tuffy, Doxy, Pedro. I'm putting them all in one category. All of the pound dogs. Yes. I, uh, I I love the barbershop quartet. I think it comes at a moment that we need some comic relief, and it's really funny because they just keep going on and on. You think it's just going to be one howl, but it turns into this. And then you have to laugh at how funny it is. And then, of course, it takes a really sad turn of seeing all the dogs in the pound. And if there's any sad, anything sadder than a sad dog, like I don't want, I don't want to know what it is. Well, I, I want to throw out the dog that is most interesting to me out of that group is Peg, who really I believe to have had a romantic relationship with Tramp in the past. Yeah, uh, she 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 strikes me as uh, the woman with the heart of gold. Like she's she's taken injured in like these injured men in her in their lives nurse them back to health and then they've left her mm-hmm. uh but yeah. but she's she's never truly gotten over it and she just accepts that's how men are yep 
Uh, so I think she's really interesting, and I kind of want her and Lady to. I'm more interested in Lady and Peg becoming friends. Yes. Than I am in Lady and the Tramp. Let me get a, a, a dog movie that's about the friendship between two female dogs who both were in relationships with the same dog and he done both of them wrong. Give me that. Make them the Thelma and Louise of the dog world. I want that. That sounds awesome. Um, here's a, here's something. And I, I, you know, I made you laugh before. I'm going to bum you out now. <laughs> Andy, what happened to those dogs in the pound? Oh, the long walk for Nutsy. I think the long walk for all of them. Yeah. Like, we're so obsessed with seeing that Trusty's still okay. Why doesn't the movie give us one view of the dogs from the pound to let us know that they're okay? That maybe they found owners? That Why can't they come visit Lady Tramp and the pups, Andy? Yeah. And the only answer that I have... And you might want to cover your younger listener's ear uh, if you're watching this with your family. Is that they're dead? They took the long walk. I don't like. I don't like that, Andy. I don't like that at all. Yeah, I, want those I don't dogs either. Who have found owners. Yeah. So the 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 prison movie archetypes are here definitely, and the bar shadows on their fur, and they're tunneling out. I mean, maybe Doxy finally did tunnel out, right? The problem with Doxy is he fills the hole all the way back up every time he does it. <laughs> He's going nowhere. He doesn't, he doesn't want to get caught. He just doesn't want to get caught, right? You, you put a little bit on the top, you, but yeah, I, yeah. I, don't know. I mean, I think I, I think it would have been really cool. I think the ending could have been really neat. If uh, what if what if uh, Jock and Trusty bring along? I don't know Boris, right, with them. All of and them says, dogs. oh, he got adopted, want, or all of them, or one all of them. Because here's the yeah. thing. This movie is, and you've pointed this out in pre-production, about class issues. Yeah, right? it is. It is. Uh, there, yeah. there are the dogs on the wrong side of the tracks, and there's yep. the dog. This is Romeo and Juliet to a degree, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And we see that Tramp is now with the higher society dogs there. But because, but we don't see that in some way these two classes have become integrated, that that the, that the children of Lady and the Tramp will will have the heritage of both the high society dogs and the lower class dogs. Right. Those right. dogs need to be in the last scene. It's wrong that they're not there. Mm-hmm. I I feel this very strongly, uh, even though I suspect most children watching the movie have forgotten all about those dogs by the point we've gotten here. Attention spans being what they are, I want closure on all of them. Otherwise, otherwise, I don't. I I think this movie's a little dark. If it does stay, if it does stay with you, then maybe people will be more um, apt to adopt a dog versus um, shopping for a dog, which I always advocate for but yeah i mean there's some great dogs i mean this is the the, their uh barbershop quartet is funny but they almost seem resigned to their fate yeah i mean you know we're getting into theme territory a little bit here but i really do think for this movie which shows two ways of life it ends up by saying but the correct way of life is ladies way of life and tramp way of life is wrong Yep. It's too dangerous. It's too wild. That freedom comes at too great a cost. You must be domesticated, Tramp. You must right. be. Right. In order to make it, you have to have a license and a pedigree. Not, maybe not a pedigree, but a license in order to be respectable. Conform, Tramp. Yeah. Conform. I mean, it's the 1950s, so conformity yeah, is kind of Yeah, the I guess that's a product of the time, the, isn't it? That's right. That's right. Let's talk more about protagonist problems. Um We've talked about, well, who is the protagonist of this movie, do you think, It's Larry? Lady. It's Lady. Okay. Okay. It, she doesn't do everything she's, she needs to do in this movie, and we've hit that beat. Tramp is the secondary protagonist, and sadly, Junk and Trusty are our tertiary protagonists. Mm-hmm. Um, but none of them are really good at it. None of them are good at being a protagonist. Protagonists right. got to protagonize. They got to do things. They got to make things happen. And yeah. at various points in this movie, the movie just stalls out because nobody's doing anything. They're waiting for circumstances to change. You know, one of my criticisms about this movie um, is that Lady doesn't struggle soon enough. And you might argue, well, 
you know, in those opening scenes, she's put in the kitchen to sleep and she's by herself and she has to struggle to get out and get up the stairs. But she wins too easily in the beginning. Sure. Um, and, and it's too easy. She gets her way, right? And And so putting her in situations where, like, where hard things happen to her, and, and she has to struggle. It's like you when she gets that muzzle on, you're like, all right, now. But she doesn't solve her problem. Tramp solves it for her, right? Tramp's always, somebody's always solving her problem for her. And that, I think, makes for the, for a rough protagonist. An the, explosion the other thing, in my brain, Andy. Yes. It just prompted an explosion. Yes. In the scene where ladies in the pound... And yes. all the other dogs are resigned to their fate. We're sitting around and eventually the dog catcher comes and takes her out because the collar tells him where to go. She doesn't earn her freedom from the pound. Nope, Instead, she doesn't. what should happen in that scene is she assumes her leadership over the dogs in the pound. And we have a sequence in which they break out. We actually do the breakout sequence. Lady right. uses her skills to calm the dog catcher into the cell. And at that point, she says to, to Dasha, the, the, the dachshund who's um, digging a hole, dig a hole, but don't dig it so deep. Dig it enough that he sticks his foot in and he falls. And we can all right. make a break and we have an action sequence. Yes. And she earns her freedom. Yeah. We have we essentially have a long scene where we're sitting around waiting for the movie to start up again. But instead of that, we get this exposition. We spend 30 minutes or more in exposition that would be, it just doesn't serve the movie. And so by the time we get there and I'm watching her in another sequence where, okay, there's a song and something's happening to her. I'm starting to tune out. Yeah. Like I had to watch this in a couple of different shifts. And normally I watch these in, all in one thing, but I'm like, okay, if I start to, my rule is if I start to zone out, I have to go, okay, why am I zoning out? What's but happening? Movie- the other right. problem with this movie is it does has an antagonist problem, mm-hmm. which in is that there is no strong at- antagonist keeping these dogs apart. Aunt Sarah isn't really doing that much. Cy and Am are only in, mercifully, one scene. Um, God. You know, the dog catcher seems perfectly nice. He seems very pleasant, uh, other than the fact that, you know, occasionally he has to take a dog down the long walk. But there's no, there's no... The rat is a is a minor character in this mm-hmm. movie. We didn't even feel like discussing him because there's nothing there. An antagonist would make this movie better. It would push our characters to be better protagonists because someone is actively doing something and that needs to be stopped. If you took the rat and you made him into more of a character where, like, I've been plotting to get that baby since day one. And now the parents are gone. All we need is to get rid of the dog. And, uh, like, like right. he's he's manipulating right. some, like, something. Then, then Lady and Tramp can together overcome somebody as opposed to we're waiting for circumstances. We're maybe overcoming circumstances. Sometimes circumstances just blow over. We need more conflict in this movie. Right. I mean, it's not enough that she's, you know, she's busted out of jail and now she always has to be saved by somebody. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Yep. I'm with you, Larry. 100%. I, I really, again, though, that, that lofty, and I'm, I know I'm probably beating a dead horse, but I see this in a lot of the screenplays that I read where people give me a whole lot of exposition and I'm like, where does this movie start? I'm like, oh, we're on page 60. All right, well, here's the movie. Let's start here, right? As opposed to and the backstory and the, uh, you know, the, yeah. And if you have a screenplay mm-hmm. and look, when you're, everybody's writing their screenplay, the inciting incident doesn't happen on page 15 because you, because you're writing it, but then you go back, you revise and you make sure your story is starting in the next 15 minutes. And does that mean maybe you have to cut that extended scene of lady as a puppy, even though it's adorable? That is absolutely the definition of you have to kill your darling sometimes as a writer, but you Mm got to get to your story faster. Yep. 100%. All right. Pitch time. So given this movie and the director video Lady and the Tramp 2, Scamp's Adventure, and the live action Lady and the Tramp from 2019, which I have not seen. Um, I haven't either. I haven't even I, seen Scamp's Adventure. 
I I saw Scamps Adventure a very long time ago with one of my kids, and um, you know, it it wasn't really memorable. So, but what would we do? We'll with get this there prop- someday. Yeah, Andy. yeah. There we'll, we go. We'll get there. <laughs> what would we do with this property? So this is a tricky one um, because. I think I may have come up with a better pitch when I pitched the idea of Lady and Peg going off and having adventures. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's probably a more interesting story, a more modern story about about two female dogs who don't need a man. Uh, And I would. But the one that I prepared is a is a tramp prequel. Uh, I want to know. I want to know why Tramp is alone out in the world. I want to see him having been with a family and I want to Mm -hmm. see him, I want to see him leave and I want to see him embrace that wild and free life. Uh, I, I think either of those is a compelling addition to the lady in the Trampiverse. What have you got, Andy? Yeah, that's really good. I'm just a, say that just to say with, with your idea, your, now your idea is making me think of things, but your idea makes me think about, um, those families that, you know, Tramp sees once a week, right? He has kind of a rotation. And and why why can't he commit to one? Right. I, I want to know why he can't commit to one of those families, right? There's got to be a reason. Yeah. There's got to be a reason. So my idea is an animated version of The Great Escape. Ooh. With Boris and Bull and Peg and Tuffy and Doxy and Pedro all working together to escape a dog pound, Right all from tough backgrounds of cruelty and they actually do the job and figure out how to get out. Um, and they have to do it, you know, in order to, for some greater good, obviously. Is but, it the uh, great escape or is it oceans 11? It might be ocean. I, I mean, maybe both, maybe both together. That would be great. I, I love the idea of a all dog oceans 11. <laughs> Sounds great. And we, I, I can see the trailer for it actually like they're like the wiener dog dun, dun, and they're like they're playing that music dun 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 the poodle dun, 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 the dun, philosopher dun, dun, dun. right yeah <laughs> very fun that's a awesome. fun movie i like awesome. that a lot well what movie are we tackling next week next week we are doing the love bug from 1968 Ooh, and if you you might not know the love bug by its actual name because most people think of it as the original herbie movie but mm-hmm. all the other Herbie movies have the word Herbie in it. This one is just the love bug. And it's the very first Herbie movie. I'm so excited for this. I am too. Well, if you like what you're hearing, will you do us a favor and share this podcast with another Disney or classic movie fan? And please, please, please check out our Once Upon a Disney Facebook page. You can tweet us at, at Andy Redmine or at Larry Brenner 6 or drop us a line in our mailbag at Once Upon a Disney Podcast at gmail.com. So until next time, friends, see you real soon. See you real soon. Thank you.